Hey, folks, welcome back to the DC Three Cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Vince and Zach. We are here to talk about the DC Comics coming out on January 24th, 2023, starting with Action Comics number 1051. This is a multi part uh, issue, as all Action Comics are going to be now. There'll be three stories a month for the foreseeable future. The first that part is for your buck. Yeah. The first part is called Speeding Bullets. It is written by Philip Kennedy Johnson and illustrated by Rafa Sandoval. Uh, this is sort of the um, the tone setter for what this book is going to be. We see a lot of super characters here. We spend time with uh, Jeremy. I'm not Jeremy. My goodness. Uh, I was going to say Jeremy Irons. That's an actor, folks. Uh, John Henry Irons and Natasha Irons. We get some Con L. We get some Jonathan Kent, some uh, Con Keenan, some Supergirl, and of course some, some Kal-El and Lois. Um, Zach, you are the Superman boy. What did you think of this first story? I am a Superman boy, aren't I? <laughs> uh, I, um, <clears throat> I, I liked it. I, I enjoyed it as far as like a, like you said, kind of a tone setter, a status quo establisher, kind of getting ready to set up a few things like, you know, the, Again, kind of paving the road for the new Superman book, the Steelworks book, um, giving some of the not forgotten, but, um, uh, you know, kind of languishing super characters like Con Keenan and like Connor, a, a place um, and continuing on with, you know, I would say the better threads and ideas of the Johnson run, the, the Philip Kennedy Johnson run. Um, it, yeah, I liked it. If I was disappointed in any way by this part of the story, it's just that I thought that the Rafa Sandoval art wasn't quite on the level that I usually expect from him. It, it didn't, it still looked good, but there was something about it that, that it didn't seem quite as like, crisp and vibrant as it usually is and maybe that comes down to the inking and the coloring more so than sandoval's pencils mm-hmm. uh but it, it the, the 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 final artistic product didn't look as good as uh like what i would think of with uh the work on like green lantern and flash i could see that i, I still think that this is you know um within the like range of sandoval art I don't, I don't it, yeah i i don't disagree with that. that it's yeah it's like a it's like a degree or a matter of degrees off for me mm-hmm. it, it was like enough of a difference that i couldn't say like this looks fantastic uh so mm-hmm. but but it still looks good and it and it's a massive improvement in my opinion compared to the art direction on the book for the past year so there's that Vince, what did you think of this first story? Um, I'm probably somewhere between you guys with how with how uh, you felt about the art. I think I, I I see Zach's point, and I I I think I felt that while reading it. But I also think I would still I would take this art over so much other art. Yeah, uh, in especially comics. as we've seen an action with. Federici doing so much of the work the last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I, I, the thing that I liked the most about it was that this, they keep the werewolf suit to fucking. 
that was a great bit. Yeah, yes, that was that was funny. I, I legitimately chortled at that. That's yes. a, by the way, it's a well executed joke too with him. Yes, you see the perspective of John opening the closet, and then you see it from the other side, and then Lois rushes in in a very. It's a very swift well executed joke it's almost blink and you miss it as much as a comic gag can be you know yes. mm-hmm. yeah um uh but i was gonna say the pace i think it cannot possibly last because this is what has disappointed me about um about the other arcs in in philip kennedy johnson's run so i don't anticipate i'm hopeful i'm hopeful that it will be different but I, I'm not banking on it being any different. I loved the pacing of this issue in that one thing that bugs me about superhero comics, especially when they're they're so decompressed these days where, where you write for the, uh, the trade, this issue didn't focus very much on whatever the threat was. Like in the beginning, you kind of see that that um, you get a little action sequence where you see like a protest and then a a guy fires a gun and then the Superman family flies in and deals with it. That's not the main. Well, I mean, there's hints, there's hints that an aspect of that protest has to do with the main threat, which we later find out is, is Metallo is working for Lex, which we already kind of knew, but it's kind of coming to a head in this issue. But, but what I'm saying is, not much time is spent on Metallo or Lex and Metallo or the conflict. And I think uh, a lot of time is spent with the characters just being characters, being themselves, um, being heroic in other ways or, or, or interacting with one another in fun ways, like the gag that we mentioned earlier, or the fact that they're just sitting around playing board games. Uh, I felt like there was a, a hefty dose of character in this. And I feel like what's wrong with decompressed comics is they focus too much on spreading the, whatever the threat is, whoever the villain of the arc is across six issues. And you just spend too much time with them and not enough time with the, with the characters just living their lives also, you know, and I feel like you get a good deal of this and that's, what's, exciting about it to me if they're gonna make they're kind of doing this with with green arrow right they're kind of doing this with flash if they're going to make the extended families of these characters kind of the focal points of these books they need to spend a lot more time with the families and not with whatever the threat of the arc is or whatever the conflict is that stuff can be can take up less page space if it means we're going to get more rich character work with these characters. Um, And that's, what's exciting about this issue for me. What I would say in the, um, the bad news department for that is I feel like this issue, but specifically this arc is going to be used to spin off these characters into their own backup stories. Like we're, we know we're getting a Connor miniseries. We're getting a John miniseries. We're getting steelworks. We know that the Power Girl backup is, I think, three issues. I want to say that the Lois and Clark 2 is like six issues. So I feel like this is being done to get the status quo for everybody set up so that when there's a Kong Keenan backup announced, they can get right into that story and not use the backup space to reestablish who that character is. So I don't know if this is necessarily like a... um, 
a change that will be continuing pace wise. But I think for this arc, you are going to see a lot of time with these characters. Well, I hope I hope that is what it's used for. I hope there are additional stories and books spinning out of this. I mean, I know we already know of some that are announced, but like even beyond that, because my my biggest fear is you pay lip service to the family aspect up front. And then four, five, six issues later, that all kind of falls away. And we forget about Supergirl for another six months. Or we forget about new Superman for <laughs> another year. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like I hope what you're saying comes to fruition. I'm worried it's not. That's I'm worried this is just the illusion of richness. Um, and it's not gonna pay off. But that's but that's an unreasonable worry if i'm if i'm talking about this issue in a vacuum i i thoroughly enjoyed the the first entry of that story because because of how rich it was with character i would say that the biggest downside of this first story which i did enjoy considerably is that i feel like first of all i can't tell you if there's ever been a good metallo story <laughs> i i know that grant morrison did a decent bit with Metallo in action comics, but a lot of that was handled by Sholly Fish, and I think it was still good, but it, I don't think it was great. I think there's been good Metallo stuff, but not great Metallo stuff in Superman comics. And beyond that, because we've been getting hints to this for the last few months in action, I feel like we knew exactly what was going to happen with Metallo before it even happened. And so nothing bums me out in comics more than that when you know what's going to happen and yet it doesn't just come out and happen. So you have to sit and wade through other stuff to get to the thing that you know is going to be there. That just bugs me from a, an enjoyment of reading standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that was a bit of a bummer, but I, I really like the stuff with the twins. I like the stuff with the super family, like playing together. These are the games. I love the fact that Clark has to put on a, a an article of his enslavement to get Lois off. Um, <laughs> you know, I uh, I even liked that the the first that that Lois's article is called "Wind of Change" because it let me do the little <laughs> thing in my head with the scorpions. And uh, you know, I I think that setting a story around Lois's article is like a very very Superman comics thing to do. But it's also something that I, I I just I like that trope. I think it's a fun trope when they do that, as long as it's not overdone. Um, but overall, I really did like what Johnson is doing here. But like you said, Vince, we really liked the first issue when Johnson came on board, like before War World. I think we all really liked the War World stuff mm-hmm. initially, and then everything just kind of faded away. And so you know, I, I I don't necessarily have the highest of hopes for this, but I also don't have uh, I, I, I'm not worried. It's I'm not necessarily like terrified. It's going to fall off a cliff. I just hope that this delivers on the promise that Johnson has has shown, you know, over the last couple of years as somebody who can start a good story. Hopefully this one is where he sort of allows himself to finish that story. Mm hmm. Um, all right. Well, the second part of this book is a story called Home Again, written by Dan Jurgens and illustrated by Lee Weeks. This is 
a a sequel to the Lois and Clark um s- series that gave us this version of John Kent for the first time. Uh, it is also set a couple of years ago. It seems like it's in the beginning of the rebirth era that the story is set, which is, you know, I don't really know why that's the time frame just yet, but that's okay. Um, the, the continuity of this is a bit like interminable to me because it's like, yeah, it, it, re- it, references the rebirth era but the whole like merging of this superman like the that you know the dan jurgen superman with the new 52 superman in that that mr mixapitalic story uh-huh. and and like the effects on continuity were like always super unclear to me um and then like trying to like slot this into a specific point in continuity but also making it a follow-up to the superman 75th or the the 30th anniversary special of the death of superman that we read a few months ago also also just like boggles the mind so <laughs> yes i i pretty much just like glazed over that whole section and was just like okay sure <laughs> yeah I, I don't disagree with that i thought the continuity in this was a little bit uh wonky i will also say that i think dan jurgens has a really good sense of what makes a good Superman story, but I don't believe he can really write one anymore. Like, I think that this has all the elements that I want from this story, but I don't know that he delivers on the promise here at all. I think his, his writing is incredibly expository uh, because Lois is like recapping things and, and narrating this. It just, it, it, it unnecessarily recaps things that don't need to be stated. And, there is a uh, funny bit where like Clark is on the phone with Bruce or whatever. And he's like the doomsday bone, which recently caused so-and-so yes. to turn into the doom breaker. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that's just, that's just how Jurgens. I mean, Jurgens always kind of wrote that way, mm-hmm. but I feel like when he was writing that way and that was the style of the time, it was a little bit easier to overlook than I think it is here. I think this is yeah. a very clunky story, but I think the Lee Weeks art is great. Yeah. Uh, as always, I love a dog in a comic. Uh, I don't know how this dog has survived by itself for years in California, but that's a whole other story. Um, and just a, a, a Lee Weeks side note, the Lee Weeks variant for this is really, really nice. And I'm not a variant cover guy necessarily, but this is a, this is a very, very nice variant. Uh, Vincey, what'd you think of this? The Lee Weeks art was nice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think we've been over what I think of Dan Juergens as a writer these days um, enough. I think you guys covered it. Um, He's just not subtle anymore and doesn't have like a, like everything the characters say is awkward exposition. Um. And he seems obsessed with he seems obsessed with this very specific moment in time. So much so that that kind of like like Zach said, it it's 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 almost at a detriment to continuity or I don't know, does it does the does moment even, in time being either do you mean that as the, the, the death of Superman, which he keeps bringing coming back to, or this like <sighs> Lois and Clark 
era stuff? Um, because I think you're right on both accounts, kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's more like. He's he seems obsessed with it's not even one era or the other. He seems obsessed with telling the Dan Jurgens Superman story. Damn anything else that's happening or going on. It okay. kind of felt that way yeah. in the rebirth action run. And I'm not I'm yeah. Uh, of course he's touching on his death of Superman stuff, but I don't think neither the art nor the style of writing really harkens back to that, but but he it is of course subject matter. Same with the rebirth era or the pre or the pre rebirth Lois and Clark stuff, much more overtly, with the Lee Weeks art and the and the these specific characters in this specific configuration. But I think like he's he's obsessed with returning to that as if it wasn't kind of resolved and moved on from right. Sure, and. I unfortunately I think it was. I mean, whatever whatever fond feelings we have of a younger John, whatever fond feelings we may have for this weird era of Superman where they had to amalgam the new 52 and and rebirth and pre-flashpoint or whatever all together. I, I mean, it's a it's a weird curio, but it, I don't think the stories were necessarily great, you know. Right. Um, it's memorable for, you know, maybe some of the wrong reasons. But I th- I, I also think, what is it doing in this comic? You know. Um, I mean, look. I, to be fair, if this is going to come out, I don't think this is the worst place for it to come out. I don't know. No, I actually, well, I, I don't disagree with that. Um, and I also think it's like, it makes the most sense because if like we think the rest of these backups are going to be kind of be, they're going to be kind of like organically set up in the main action story. But right now that action story is just getting started. So there's not really anything to go off of. Right. Uh, so it makes sense to just return to the well of something else, which in this case is um, Lois and Clark from, you know, six years ago or whatever, seven years ago, however long. Who can say? Um, yeah, yeah. Or it's you know it's a thread that was set up in in that special, just like how you know the next story we're going to talk about was also set up in a special outside of this book, so. Yeah, I, I think it's fine. The Lee Weeks art is good. Um, and uh, it's it is an it's a it's a curio. Absolutely. And then uh, our third and final story of this issue comes from Leah Williams and Marguerite Savage. It is called Head Like a Hole. W.H.O.L.E. A nice uh, nine-ish nails reference because, of course, you must know that you must bow down before the one you serve. You're going to get what you deserve. Everyone knows that. Uh, this is a Power Girl story which was seeded in the uh, Lazarus Planet Assault on Krypton issue that we panned last week. Um, so I, I have a, a phrase here written in my notes that I'm saying with my tongue in cheek 
but I mean, okay? Mm-hmm. And that's that this is Heroes in Crisis done right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, this is Power Girl and Omen, a.k.a. Lilith, depending on what uh, code name you're used to, uh, basically helping superheroes through their trauma through psychic uh, therapy. In this case, they're help a, they're helping uh, Beast Boy deal with what happened when he was shot by Slade in Dark Crisis. Something Vince focused quite a bit of his ire on uh, in that book at a couple of points. Um, so, Vince, let's start with you. What did you think of this? Man, I wanted to like this. <laughs> I wanted to like this this backup um, so badly, and I and I I don't. Um, I think. I, I love the art and I love the designs. I love the designs for both the principal characters. Um, and and I'm a fa- I want to reiterate that I'm a fan of, of Leah Williams generally. But I think this this first of all, it's way too wordy. Um, yes, it's way too wordy. I, there's goofy stuff like Dick coming in and saying, this is beast boy in case that wasn't obvious. And it's a, he's got a green goat on a, on a leash. And that's just, it, (laughs) I mean, it's a small, maybe I'm being nitpicky, but that's a very weird thing to say. Like it's Dick with a green animal. Yes, of course that's beast boy. Like everybody know, everybody would know that it's a weird thing. That's, like the first thing he says too, he, he, you know, he doesn't say like, hi ladies or anything like that. He just says, this is beast boy in case that wasn't obvious. <laughs> um, I know that's, that's, that's picky, but it's just, it's, I feel like this is both too wordy and like undercooked because there's a way to do this with, with less words, I think. Well, that was going to be my counter to you, actually. I do think there's too many words here, but I don't really know how you do this story with less words, because by by the very nature of what this story is, you have to let you have to get inside this character's mind and then figure out what the issue is. And like all that stuff just can't really be done. I mean, I guess it can. I'm not saying it can't be done, but I think it it, 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 Morrison Morrison did it in a with quietly in a, a comic without any words so well <laughs> if we're really comparing everything here to what morrison does then i think we're going to be in for a long uh, podcast but i mean uh, that's that's the entire uh destruction of my comic book fandom is is reading morrison and realizing nothing else <laughs> nothing else does it like that baby <laughs> um so I, I I did not love this, but I enjoyed it. So when I say Heroes in Crisis done right, that's more of a knock on Heroes in Crisis than it is in praise of this. Oh, yeah. This is this is better than Heroes in Crisis for sure. And I feel like this is approaching the same concepts of Heroes in Crisis in a way that actually shows compassion for the characters as opposed to Heroes in Crisis, which clearly did not give a shit about its characters, and that's why it was so unsuccessful. Um, and this looks fucking gorgeous because Marguerite Savage is a really, really good artist. And I thought what I liked about this was I liked that. I mean, first of all, I think we can all agree 
that whether or not you think that the ESP telekinesis thing is necessarily like a great thing for Power Girl. Power Girl kind of needs something to differentiate her sometimes from the rest of the Superman family because her origin is so clumsy because, um, you know, she was Atlantean at one point and, and you know, just, just so much there. So I think that giving her a a power set that separates her from the rest of the Superman family, I see the logic there. I understand why they would want to do that. I also think that this handles this situation with a nice balance of humor and empathy for what Garth has gone through. Not Garth, Garfield. Sorry, getting my uh, Titans first names confused here. Mm-hmm. Like I-, I think that it-, it doesn't it doesn't treat what Gar went through with any sort of uh, like mocking, but it-, it it does like the issue has enough humor. I mean, there's like a boob sweat joke about the uh, her costume or whatever. Like I just yeah. feel like it's best, uh... best part of the story. By the way, it's <laughs> um, just fanning himself. Yeah, exactly. Just uh, humming a humming a humming a. Uh, well, hey, come on. I who, mean, do th- who do you think I am? <laughs> exactly. The guy describing. Some kind of horn dog. <laughs> um, but like, I just felt like this this had the tone right. It is entirely too wordy, but I think if you're gonna do this kind of story, I think this is the tone I want from this kind of story. Zach. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I do think it was too wordy. I, I do think it's a good idea. I think. The art is really good, um, and and it's an idea. It's something that I hope gets continued somewhere. I think it is a maybe. Maybe I'm reading too much into this, um, but it feels very intentional that Williams is is pairing Power Girl with all of these Titans adjacent characters, and. I, I wonder if maybe that could be an interesting place for Power Girl to fall in the in oh. the dawn of DC. That is pretty interesting. I wouldn't hate that. Like like what if she was the super character for Dick Grayson's Justice League or or whatever? Yeah. I think that works really well actually. Um did anyone else wonder if Leah Williams was familiar with uh, Red Beast Boy from the New Fifty Two, and that's why his like inner animals are red? I, oh, I, I felt like that had almost... to be, yeah, yeah. It's no, it's it's, he it's has doing a to the red too. So right, right, but it is very much also doing the 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 thing that that Leah Williams did with Power Girl, which is reconciling these different continuities of the character right, right. in some yeah. way yeah yeah i mean i i didn't i don't hate this i just i wanted to like it more i think if you i think you're right brian in that like there's not a lot of ways to do this story without being overly wordy but then i guess that like i i, I don't hate it but i'm never gonna love a comic that's like this then because because by its nature, it's not doing what I want comics to do. Um, I guess. Yeah, I I understand that. I do. 
I, um, I don't yeah i don't think it's bad i just i just imagined more for the character i don't know i don't know i i still think that this I also feel like there's a common thing that I've noticed we say whenever a new writer comes on to a DC book, which is that this is really wordy. And I wonder if that's just, I mean, look, I don't think anybody who comes to write for DC now doesn't have some sort of history with these characters. And maybe your first story just comes out clumsier than you'd like it to be. But I mean, I, I very rarely remember a character, a writer rather, coming to DC and like knocking it out of the park, especially an established writer. Uh, it seems like that's always one of our complaints. Mm-hmm. I think we said it about Zadarsky when Zadarsky came over. Um, that's the example that's sort of coming to mind right now. But mm-hmm. I wonder if that's just a, a thing that happens. I th- I think too many comics are too wordy in general. Whether it's oh, a, of course, yes. yeah, whether it's a writer who's new to DC or not, but but yes, yeah. Yeah, your point stands. All right, well, uh, we're gonna take a break, and when we come back. We're gonna have a couple short thoughts on two more comics of the week. So stay tuned. Hello, denizens of Earth twelve eighteen. We are the hosts of Make Mine Multiversity, a twice monthly podcast. I'm Jana. And I'm Elias. Make Mine Multiversity is your handy guide to all things Marvel. Each month, we get into it with long looks at the careers of Marvel creators, characters, themes, whatever. Sometimes that means we dig into all things X-Men, sometimes we do a book club for Marvel series past and present, and sometimes that means figuring out which series is our heavyweight champion. Coming down by good old Skylaser to your podcatcher of choice every first and third Friday. Excelsior. Excelsior indeed. And we are back with basically me telling Zach and Vince what happened in two comics this week because it's just the way things shook out for this week. So first up is Justice Society of America, number two, written by Jeff Johns, illustrated by Michael Janine. Um, I really like the way that this mystery is unfolding in this book. Uh, I think the art was a little bit better this week. But I want to talk about one thing that I, I, I know is going to have uh, some listeners roll their eyes and possibly some co-hosts roll their eyes as well, which is that I just want to have a talk about what the timing is for this book. Like, for instance, so we have this story that is that, you know, Power Girl is from the future and she goes back to the 40s. And then we get a bunch of times, a bunch of things referenced. It says blank years from now. But we don't really know when now is like that. That's what I'm trying to figure out is when the now is here. So, for instance, there's a scene in this book where. um, She goes back to 1940 and then Dr. Fate flashes 1941. That's very well established. Those are those years. Then we get a thing that is 10 years from now. And we see that that is uh, Selena and. um, What is Huntress's first name? It's totally escaped my head. Helena. Uh, we see Helena and Selena in the principal's office. And then we get 26 years from now, and that seems to be when Selena is fighting Perdegaton and uh, being sent back. And, and we see um, Helena sent back to the 40s. But then we get, a, we get a thing here where we see 1941. Then we see 13 years ago, which looks like an early Catwoman story. We get 
eight years ago, which is uh, zero hour. We get one year ago, which is Khalid becoming Dr. Fade. So, like, I don't, I just don't know when this is, but like, I, I don't understand how in, in they try to say in DC continuity that zero hour and DCU are seven years apart. <laughs> There's legitimately no way of knowing. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I know that. I know we joke it, about that, but. But is that is that what you think is being implied here? Well, I I also think that um, wasn't there a story like a crisis story recently that like talked about how crisis events like distort time, and so it's all like wishy washy anyway. I mean, probably. It just seems to me like uh, I, I guess my point with this is that the panels that have these years on them would have been perfectly understood without the years on them. It just yeah. seems like why, why would you put a why would you put a fine point on this? Yeah. No, you're not wrong. Um, uh, John's just can't help himself. And what's funny is the only one that has an actual year on it is 1941. And that's the other part. Like if this if the Justice Society's been around since the forties, but Zero Hour, which was nineteen ninety four, was only eight years ago. It's just you know the whole thing just it it starts to hurt your head a little bit. Um, but I will say that this issue also has way more guest art, which is by Jerry Ordway and Scott Collins, and so I feel like Vince would have less of a problem with the Janine art, even though I don't think that this art was as stiff as the Janine art in the first uh, issue of this. So there's that. Um, any thoughts or questions about JSA? All right, mm-hmm. totally. No, I'll read it eventually. <laughs> well, you're you're buying it in singles, right? So yeah, 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 yeah. And then uh, we have uh, Lazarus Planet. Uh, what is this one called? We once were gods. This is basically a story about uh, like the. There, there, there's there's four stories, one of which is an Aquaman story, one of which is a Martian Manhunter story, a Shazam story, and a uh, Wonder Woman story. I'm not going to go through a ton of details for each one, but the Aquaman story is a Francis Manipole story, which seems like it 100% must be leftovers from his Aquaman Earth One book that never came out, right? Yeah. I, I I legitimately cannot imagine they had him write another Aquaman story that is teasing something for the future. No, and I feel like I, they're just repurposing that art. Rich, Rich Johnson has been banging that drum for like years now that that's eventually going to be used in some form or fashion. So you've got to imagine that that's yeah. what that is. Yeah. Um. So that, that story is kind of nothing. The other kind of nothing story is the Wonder Woman story. Although that story does set up the miniseries that is spinning out of this, which is the Wonder Woman Shazam miniseries, Lazarus Planet, Revenge of the Gods. Um, and that that's a Philip Kennedy Johnson story with, um, I want to credit all the artists here, uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson and Mac, uh, Jack Herbert. We all know what Jack Herbert's art looks like. It looks like Jack Herbert art. 
nothing super special to write home about. Josie Campbell and Caitlin Yarsky do a Marvel family story. That is, it's pretty good, but this is definitely the weakest thing that Campbell has written for DC, in part because she kind of has a thankless task here. She has to tie together the events of the Black Adam miniseries, the uh, new champion Shazam miniseries, along with what happened in the uh, Teen Titans Academy and Shazam miniseries and lead into this other miniseries. So she's doing a lot of weaving here and it's pretty good. It ends with um, all the Marvels as well as the, uh, what what is, is it Bolt? Is that his new name? The supporting character from Black Adam, they're all out of the Rock of Eternity with the uh, Wizard Shazam sh- trapped in there again, and he is vowing revenge, which is what's going to lead into that uh, miniseries. But the story I want to talk about here is there's a really, really good Martian Manhunter story here by Max Waters and uh, Dan Waters and Max Dunbar. And um, this actually also involves Doomsday, and it's a good Doomsday story which is kind of surprising. Um, but this is like, a, I, I implore both of you guys to go read this story. Oh, I'll read it. I will read it. Um, I'll read the whole thing eventually. Yeah, it's very good. It's definitely the best thing in the issue. Uh, it's also almost, I mean, this has as little to do with Lazarus Planet as anything. Uh, that's uh, specifically the Aquaman story and the Martian Manhunter story really... I mean, I I guess you could say that those stories are set in motion by Lazarus Planet, but they're really about other stuff. Um, but yeah. Yeah, so I would say that the two worth reading from this are the Marshall Manhunter story and the Shazam story. Uh, Vincey, what is coming out next week? Ah, damn it. I closed the box. Um, vamp for a second. Hang on. Um, so Zach... Uh, All right, I got it. Batman Legends of Gotham, number one. DC Power, a celebration, number one. DC's Harley Quinn Romances, number one. Lazarus Planet Legends Reborn, number one. And the Flash One Minute War special, number one. Well, until that episode drops, you can find two-thirds of us on Twitter. I am at Brian Needs a Nap. And I am at The Woke of Z. If you need to find Vince, he is... uh, Going to the uh, cafeteria at his uh, employer and getting some was it Wookie cookies? That was called Wookie cookies. Yes, yeah, getting right. some Wookie cookies. Absolutely. We should also mention. I don't know if we've said this much on the main show, but uh, we have recently sort of retooled our Patreon. We are doing a complete read through of Grant Morrison's DC work. We are uh, by the time you hear this, we are almost wrapping up uh, Animal Man, and uh, I think it's a good time. So if you're interested in that at all, Patreon.com/slash/DCPrecast. Uh, thank you all for listening. Be back next week. Bye bye. <laughs> we cannot be the only three white guys who have not done a podcast about Seinfeld. Come on, guys. If you're on this. <laughs> <laughs>